Hello and welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico to see all the ways that you could save. Daniel Dopp, Field Jates, Hello. Liz Loza, hanging out, recapping everything that you need to know from week. Let me check my notes 11. here. 11. Yeah. We are, in fact, we are, like you said, more than halfway through the NFL season. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, Where did it gosh. go? I don't know if I'm ready to go. This week was a tough week. Yeah. Um... I just want to take a moment to shout out my kicker for being the best player on my oh fantasy my team this gosh. week. I, I wish I weren't kidding. Um, I wish I were kidding. <laughs> Whatever. I can't even speak. But the point is that it was one of those weeks, Daniel, right? I mean, I, I just was scanning some of the box scores in our War Room League, which is a 16-team league. So you do have some players in that league that are often stretches that we're, we're barely talking about them, right? Right. But they are being started in a 16-team league that has two flexes because someone has to get started. And some of these numbers that I see are ridiculous, including, by the way, like it's not like my team is absolved of those two. Like, it's hard to find players in a week in which we had four teams on a bye. We uh-huh. had 10 notable wide receivers at minimum on a bye. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of underperformers. We needed guys to go the exact opposite today. We needed players who have been stars to be major stars today. And there certainly were some star performances. Devontae Adams, you the man. But there were a couple others out there that you're like, wait, he scored 12 fantasy points today. I am losing by default. Yeah, I... I want to get back to your original point, though, and let's just do this now. Quick shout out to Brett Maher. Yeah, big one. Huge. Big one. Huge week. 29 fantasy points. Yes. Like a top five scorer in fantasy on the week. Literally. Uh, And so a couple things here. We're having this conversation at 745 on Sunday night. There is a chance. I think there's a chance that like the scoring could get adjusted. Someone suggested that to me. It might be 27 points. But if it stays at 29, this is the second most fantasy points ever scored by a kicker in fantasy in an NFL history, NFL history, which hilariously Jay Feely is the only person ahead of Brett Maher with 29.5 points. And you and I were banging our heads around before the show began. We were like 29.5. Something sounds fishy about that, right? How do you get half a point. How does, how does a kicker get half a point? It turns out Jay Feely had five rushing yards in that game. <laughs> five. I think it might've been a missed. I think what might've happened was there was like, I don't know, fake field goal or a, a botch snap, and he ends up with the ball in his hand somehow. But yes, Jay Feely has the record at 29.5. Brett Maher is at least in the mix, at least in the mix for the greatest fantasy performance ever. He had a 50-yard field goal, a 60-yard field goal that he hit twice because they had a review, a, a replay review. The refs initiated that review like a half second before the ball was snapped. Banged back-to-back 60-yard field goals. Only one of them counted, but just if I had a, if I had a hat on right now, I would tip it. I would take it off. I would tip, tip my cat. tip. Massive hat tip to Brett Maher and everything that he brought to fantasy. Also, a massive hat tip to our friend Liz Loza, who is here with us to be able to break down everything that is this week 11 slate. And Liz, we're going to start with Justin Fields. I want to be positive because Justin Fields, again, scored. It was awesome. He had a great week. 22 fantasy points this week was fantastic. But it's tough not to start with the fact that it looked like Justin Fields left after the game off the cart. But let's talk about Justin Fields in general on how you felt about the performance and going forward with where you're at on him. Well, going forward, I want to see what uh, the test on his shoulder reveals at the top of next week. You mentioned it, so let's just start there. He did, per Courtney Cronin, our ESPN's own Courtney Cronin, uh, come to the press conference and say that he injured his shoulder on the first play of the last drive. He was also cramping throughout much of the fourth quarter. That's why you saw him on the sidelines getting his hamstring stretched out. These are the consequences, as I've brought up in previous episodes, of having a quarterback that runs so much and takes such a beating, particularly against such a young and constantly adjusting offensive line. But the good part is that at least in week 11, prior to Thanksgiving, right, we're in these weird double-digit weeks of the season. I feel like once we hit Thanksgiving, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Right now we're in this, like, murky, is it ever going to end? What day of the week is it? But right now, Justin Fields is still... Doing extremely well. He has yet to throw the ball over 28 times, but he has managed managed double-digit rushing attempts uh, in five of his last six games. He's also scored uh, on the ground for five straight weeks, and he continues to produce top. Right, right, I think right now, with two more games to be played uh, on the slate, he is the QB five for the week. So we know he'll end up 
at least within the probably the top eight for the week. Yeah, so here's what I would say. Everything Liz said, accurate. And as far as the injury goes, we don't know. Matt Eberflus also said they'll have an update on Wednesday. So a reminder, I'll remind you guys a hundred times. We are doing a show Monday, which is this show, yep. Tuesday and Wednesday. That's it. We're going to go uh, enjoy a couple of days with our family and friends for Thanksgiving. We hope you all do the same. We're going to do our best to give you as much as we can by Wednesday. And you know where you should check in after Wednesday? The first place that you should find us is on Fantasy Football Now on Sunday morning. Yes. And by the way, Twitter, Instagram, all those places that yep. we like to pump out information. Be sure to check out those streams as well. But for Justin Fields, the, I mean, the injury aside, that's that stinks, right? But like this felt like maybe his worst day in a month. And he had 22.6 fantasy points. Yeah, this is this is cheat code stuff. He is like I made this joke on fantasy football. Now he might be baby Jalen Hurts, except for the fact that they are one year apart in their NFL experience. (laughs) If he's back, if he's good, then we are talking about maybe and this this is probably hyperbolic. Right. But he would be at least in the conversation for fantasy MVP for this reason. He turned seasons around people who were stuck in the mud. At a position where there were no options that emerged this year. Geno Smith is a nice story, but Geno Smith hasn't been dominant in fantasy. Right. There were people who maybe had good running backs, good receivers, a little bit of both, whatever. Maybe Travis Kelsey as well. Their season may have been turned around by Justin Fields. So we wish it his uh, we wish the best for Justin Fields. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but that is the story of the week in fantasy following yeah, up. It really is. And and while Justin Fields was awesome, Liz. David Montgomery still got the job done on the ground. No Khalil Herbert in this game. So he, as the featured back really came through here for the Bears. Yeah, his best game of the season, in fact, um, with these 21.1 fantasy points for managers. You mentioned Khalil Herbert on IR. I thought maybe Treston Ebner would be a little bit more involved. He did manage to carry the ball six times. He drew one target. I said if he got 12 touches, he would be fantasy relevant. Well, he got half that, so he wasn't, right? Um, But I do think, you know, Monka, I, I, I would be surprised, especially if Fields is taking this beating and the bears are running the ball so much that they continue to lean so wholly on David Montgomery. They're going to have to keep him a little bit fresh and taking a long-term view here, especially noting that Herbert is going to be on IR for at least four games, right? So I think Ebner might get in there somewhere, but it doesn't take away from what Montgomery is doing again, because the amount of rushing opportunities on this offense are so plentiful Montgomery has now cleared 14 carries in five of his last six games. You and I talk about all the time how 18 is that magic auto start number. Yep. Well, he's pretty close to that. So there you go. Yeah, it's really tough not to look at David Montgomery with the way that the running back situation looks, even with a running quarterback like Justin Fields, because no Khalil Herbert in that rushing offense. He's someone that you're trusting at this point every week going forward, at least in that RB2 range. And and today he showed you why. Also getting involved in the passing game this week, Field. Yeah, that was good to see. Three catches, 54 yards. That's good for David Montgomery. I thought that the role for Treston Ebner was about where I expected it to be. Not as prominent as Khalil Herbert but a little bit of a, of a role. So that might grow a little bit going forward. And what makes me most concerned is if they don't have Justin Fields this next week against the Jets, this offense just goes from what it has been to really, Oof. really, really limited. Yeah. Trevor Simeon is their backup quarterback. So let's keep an eye on the availability of Justin Fields. They play the Jets, who, not very good on offense, awesome on defense. So they can make life very difficult for everybody, everybody on the Bears next week if Trevor Simeon is in fact under center. All right, Liz, last thing really quickly on the Bears. Darnell Mooney gets in the end zone. We've been waiting for Darnell Mooney. Still want to see a little bit more volume, but like he's a guy that with Justin Fields under center and the touchdowns that Justin Fields has been throwing because he's been consistently been doing that. Darnell Mooney feels like he's in that low-end flex play for me every single week. Well, he's, I mean, you mentioned it's the volume, right? He has six or fewer targets in nine and 11, nine of 11 games this season. He is finding the end zone. And that is what is making him interesting. I don't like to chase touchdowns. However, if we don't get field, uh, if we don't get Justin Fields next week and we do have Trevor Simeon, by the way, stand up, Wildcats, you better be there to root on your hometown kid. Then, um, I think we'll probably have more volume for Mooney because Obviously, Simeon is not the rushing threat that Justin Fields. I, I actually go the other way, Liz. Like I, I, I would not want to start any Bears pass catcher next week 
if Trevor Simeon starts. If Trevor Simeon None. starts. Not against the Jets. Wouldn't, wouldn't touch with the Jets. If the issue, though, is volume, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's because of my Midwestern repping. I think Trevor <laughs> Simeon, he's not a star, but he's certainly a capable backup. And if we're thinking about the number of targets that Mooney is going to get, maybe not the number of good targets, but the number of actual targets, yeah. I have to imagine that you're going to see Simeon rip off more than 21 pass attempts in a game. All right, how I'm about, skeptical, Liz. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. How about we just all hope that Justin right, Fields right. is under center because we're all more excited about that option going okay. forward. I have a question Absolutely. for you, Daniel. Let's just say, hypothetically, you own, do you own one car or two? I own two. Okay, you own two cars. Okay, yes. gotcha. So, like, if it's a nice day during the summer, does one of them, like, run a lot better than the other? Yes. When you were When you first met Rosie, yes. your now lovely girlfriend, <laughs> yep. who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, when you exactly. first met her, first date, yep. and you were like, I got to impress her. Did you think about bringing the truck? It's sturdy, pretty dependable, doesn't get great gas mileage, mm. has like a fairly decent sound system, but mostly just like just solid, not right. spectacular. Not or spectacular. the nicer car, the one that has like tinted windows. Yep. It's got the sunroof. All wheel drive. All wheel drive. Yeah, it's fancy. Yeah. And like beyond that, like it's got a racing stripe atop, across, across the top. Which yep. one did you take when you first? Uh, actually, technically, I took the motorcycle. No big deal. But okay. I would have yeah, taken yeah, yeah. the nicer okay. car feel that they oh, yeah. well, that, I, that also would have worked. We're taking the motorcycle or like the crappy old truck because that is what's happening right now. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Tony Pollard should be the starting running back and Zeke should get how many carries per game? Fill in the blank there. Uh, uh, Tony Pollard should be the starting running back. And Zeke should get how many carries per game? Zeke should get eight to ten carries per game. I was going to say, like, we give him five? Five's fair, right? Five, I w- Listen... He should just, at this point, Ezekiel Elliott needs to be the guy that when Tony Pollard is like, he does this, he puts his hand up because he's like, I need a breather. That's when Ezekiel Elliott goes right. into the, the change of pace. Yes. yes, this is the change of pace. And a monster day again today, Daniel. And it's like, all right, so we know, here's what we know about the Cowboys running backs, right? Zeke's going to play a lot mm-hmm. because the owner wants him to play. Yep. And the coaching staff does seem pretty dedicated to Zeke, who today had 15 carries for 42 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns, both of the one-yard variety. They were really strong one-yard. Strong one-yard. He had one catch for five yards. He finished with 17.7 fantasy points because he fell into the end zone twice mm-hmm. in a goal-to-go situation <laughs> from the one-yard line. What, how did, what did Tony Pollard do? Uh, 15 carries, so that's good. He matched Zeke, matched right? Carries, okay. 80 yards, that's 38 more than Zeke. So wow. That means he averaged six, uh, five and uh, 5.3 yards per carry. Quick math there. Plus six catches, 109 yards, two touchdowns through the air. An absolutely beautiful, like 68-yard touchdown catch from Dak Prescott down the sideline. By the way, Tony Pollard, college wide receiver at Memphis. Mm-hmm. He's so much better than Zeke. But so here's what I'll ask you. Even though they're going to be stubborn about their usage, is Tony Pollard like talented enough? And is the usage just high enough that A, he should be ranked higher again, higher than Zeke Elliott? And B, he's actually usable weekly in fantasy. I do think he is usable weekly in fantasy, and I think this week, because of what he did, and this week isn't going to week 12, I still think that I'm going to rank him above Ezekiel Elliott. He is so efficient and so explosive that in spite of the fact that they want to split carries, if you want to give me a split carry situation between these two running backs, I feel like even though Ezekiel Elliott is the goal line guy, Tony Pollard has enough upside that whether or not he gets in the end zone, I see the floor being real close to the same between these two guys. Yeah. I'm probably going to rank Tony Pollard ahead of Ezekiel Elliott unless I see something that changes there. I keep saying this. They're playing different sports. Yeah. They are. Every time you see Tony Pollard run, you're like, wow, that guy's awesome and fun and athletic. When you see Zeke run, you're like, wow, that guy's been in the NFL for a long time. Zeke was an amazing running back at his apex. He was, if not the best running back for a couple of seasons there, top three running back. Totally. That's not who he is anymore. And I know the Cowboys are going to be stubborn. So there's not much we can do about willing more Tony Pollard touches into existence, but he's just too good. The efficiency is so off the charts that even in a role that's lesser than we want, he might still have like almost RB2 value, which is wild because the upside is so great. 21 fantasy points in three straight games. Obviously, two of those games were without Ezekiel Elliott, but yep. this game here was just unreal. I don't know how Dallas looks at what they have in Tony Pollard and says, you know what we need to do? We need to find ways to take touches away from that guy because we don't want him out there on the football field doing those things. Let's, let's talk about the Detroit lions. Do let's you mind? Do it. Let's do Can it. Can we just be excited for one quick second about how Jamal Williams just Jamal Williams just knows how to do one thing and that's get in the end zone a lot. Jamal Williams, three touchdowns, 17 yeah, carries, this is crazy. 64 yards, 24.4 fantasy points. Now, There's a lot to be said about this entire backfield. It's not just about Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift also got into the end zone. 
excuse me, five carries for 20 yards with a touchdown, also had three catches for 12 yards. But here's the main thing. Liz, I want to throw this at you in the way that you're looking at the Detroit Lions running backs after this week. We had a snap count of Jamal Williams with 30 snaps, Justin Jackson with 24, and DeAndre Swift with 20. The fewest number of snaps out of all of the Detroit Lions running backs. The same question that Field just asked me about Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Are you looking at Jamal Williams going into next week and potentially beyond still and saying, you know what, this is the Detroit Lions running back that I'm going to rank ahead because there's just not quite enough volume for DeAndre Swift? Or do you see the ceiling of DeAndre Swift and say, maybe I'm going to trust it this week? You just start talking about another Northwestern running back and yeah. the, uh, the ecosystem <laughs> just starts to crackle. I don't know what to do. The wildcat in me. Uh, I didn't go to any of though. Anyway, um, when did so you go to Northwestern? You, That's no big deal. I grew up around there, whatever. Okay. In, in Evanston. Um, okay, so Justin Jackson's involved. Justin Jackson has 24 snaps, right? Now, we've been sitting here perseverating over whether or not DeAndre Swift was going to get more run. Dan Campbell said he's not quite ready, but every week he's seeming readier and readier. That's a very Northwestern word, by the mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. uh, except it's not true. So I think we have our answer. The Justin Jackson piece answers our DeAndre Swift question to answer your Jamal Williams question. We don't like to chase touchdowns, except we kind of have to. There's some similarity here between Swift and Pollard and uh, Williams and Ezekiel Elliott, right? They both, by the way, Williams scored these three touchdowns against the Giants. That's who the Dallas Cowboys play next week. I don't think you can sit or even downgrade Williams because he is so good at doing this particular thing. It would not surprise me. I'm not expecting a hat trick again in week 12, but does he find the end zone again? Yeah. Is he going to continue to be an RB2? Yeah. Do I trust? Do I trust DeAndre Swift? No, not particularly. No. Yeah. no. Uh, so I, okay. I think the DeAndre Swift part is actually easier than the Jamal Williams part because he got a late touchdown that salvaged yeah. this day of 12.2 fantasy points. But with DeAndre Swift right now, like it's clear basically between the health injuries health concerns, I should say, and also like just some of the comments from the Lions coaching staff. You just mm -hmm. hear it, not in an overly negative way, but I think it was Deuce Staley who said this this week that like Jamal Williams isn't just like the leader of the running back room or leader of the offense. He's the leader of the team. Probably the most respected guy or one of the most respected guys in that locker room. His role is going to be too large. It just, you don't say that about that kind of guy and then play him 12 snaps a game. No, he's going to play a lot. He's going to have a real legit role. And by the way, he's a good football player. Second of all, at the goal line, we know who's the first bet. He's been really good. Yep. Jamal Williams, I was trying to think of the analog earlier, and I was thinking about it. It kind of, kind of reminds me, I was thinking about like some vintage seasons. I believe in his one year with the Eagles, LeGarrette Blunt had like 17 touchdowns. He did the same thing actually with the Patriots on a different occasion. Even yep. like Damian Harris last year for the Patriots, right? Is that like, you keep saying there's no way a guy can keep scoring touchdowns, and yet, he keeps scoring touchdowns. He now has the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL at 12. He's got five games with two rushing touchdowns. Now, the tricky part for Jamal Williams is that like the bad games are going to probably be like really bad because there's very limited no passing. Pass but yep. still, in a game in which the most valuable thing a running back can do is score a touchdown, he's done it more than anybody else. And yes, it's been saturated. He has 10. Uh, he has, excuse me, 11 of his 12 rushing touchdowns have come in five games. But so you're basically batting 500 with Jamal Williams for a boomer bust game. And to be honest with you, with a lot of other running backs, how, how far off is that? Like how often are you batting or how, how often are you getting a boom game from Miles Sanders right now? Well, and so his boom games are what basically the like floor is two touchdowns yeah. and, and you know, 50 rushing yards. So yeah. I, I'm totally with you there. And I know that you said this, but that Deandre Swift touchdown was such a pity touchdown. That was like, oh, you have to get involved too. Like it, yeah. it really felt that way. They had already given Jamal Williams three and I was like, shoot, we got to find a way to get DeAndre Swift in the end zone. He too. played 21 snaps today. 32 for uh, Jamal Williams, 21 for DeAndre Swift. I said it last week. He's one of the trickiest players in all fantasy to evaluate. Yep. He's been saved by touchdowns recently. It's hard to count on. And I know I just made the case for Jamal Williams, but he's the exception, right? Like he's getting all this goal line work. It's hard to count on the kind of touchdowns that I think we're seeing from DeAndre Swift. With the limited volume that he's getting. Totally. Yep. yep. Let's talk about Joe Mixon here. Seven carries for 20 yards, three catches for 42 yards, and then he had a concussion. That's right. Left, left the, the game. game in the third quarter yep. field. So let's 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 just use our recent examples. How often do we see guys return within a week from a concussion right now? Pretty rarely. Yeah, pretty rarely. So you should be prepared for the possibility of Joe Mixon playing being out next week. I do not know offhand to the Bengals play. They but, play the Tennessee Titans. Okay, there you have it. That'll be a great game. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. They have a tough stretch coming up. Tennessee, Kansas City. Cleveland. 
And by the way, I think if I'm not mistaken, Cleveland might be with Deshaun Watson. Oh, it is. Yeah. So Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, then Tampa Bay. So a tough, tough schedule coming up for the Bengals. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Joe Mixon here for a second. It's just that like he's going to be out. Daniel, we're week we'll be we'll be at week twelve by the time we hit waivers this week. Yep. Fab or let me pitch a scenario to you. If you play in a Fab league, how much of your remaining budget would you be willing to pay up for Samaj P Ryan for what could be a one week absence, could be a zero zero week absence, but let's bank on it being at least one game. It being at least one game, I'd probably spend probably somewhere between like 30 and 40% of it's my a, fab. It's, it's always a tough, I always feel like when people ask me that, I'm like, dude, that's such a crappy question because like it all depends, right? There's yeah, so many factors that contribute like, to it. Are, am I a winning team that really needs him? Am I trying to block another team or do I just like, I, I yeah. desperately need a running back. But like in theory, just all things being equal, I look at him as a player, as a one week rental, but it's a one week rental down a playoff stretch where yeah. you might need to get W's. So it's and a little bit more that I feel more weeks. comfortable with. Yeah, right. it, it could, could be. be. It could be. You never could know. Be three. You don't know with these things, right? Yep. And by the way, by the way, he's awesome. He's, I mean, crushed awesome. it like, today. He, he had three touchdowns today. He's a really good pass catcher. That's been sort of his role behind Joe Mixon. And he was great today. So I think if we find out Joe Mixon is out and by Wednesday, it'll be tough for us to tell you with certainty. But if we plan on that possibility, then Against a really tough Tennessee run defense, he'll probably be like a top 20-ish play for me. All things being equal, he would be like a top 15 to 18 play. Yeah. All right. Let's move ahead and talk about some of the running backs that we have here in New England. Yeah. Liz Loza. Is it possible that we have a another running back by committee on our hands? Because we saw Damian Harris get 10 carries, although Ramondre Stevenson still just gets so much passing game volume. I don't know how it's even that close. Yeah, no, there's no there's no committee here. There's no competition. Ramondre Stevenson had six catches for 56 yards. Six catches, that's six points. Damian Harris, eight carries, 65 yards, two catches, 28 yards. Harris um, has Harris had a season high 93 yards from scrimmage, so that is has been his absolute ceiling so far on the season. But he's also gone four straight games without a touchdown. Now, regression, regression. We're talking a lot about touchdowns, so we know he'll eventually be due. But I do still think that Stevenson is the optimal option. He has certainly seized control over the backfield, particularly noting his work in the passing game. And it's not, honestly, like Mac Jones has a whole lot of options in terms of pass catchers, particularly when he's getting sacked like six times a game. Yeah, the only thing that I will say, I agree with everything Liz said, uh, the great Mike Grease. The greatest, Mike Reese, best beat reporter in the country, not even close, had did note that uh, the Patriots have faced extremely stingy run defenses of late. It softens up a little bit in re- in future games. Okay, and it felt like the the offense was not great today. Obviously, they didn't score any touchdowns, mm-hmm. but they got a little bit of life out of Damian Harris, which is why we're actually talking about him right now. So maybe we see a bit more of Damian Harris. But Ramondre's too good; he's still a lineup lock. This Patriots offense needs to get some things going in a major way in the red zone because. What a crazy play this was to end the game, Daniel. Dude, that's what I was just going to say. All right, Liz, and I want to bring you in on this because we we were when I was thinking about this game from a fantasy perspective, it's like, you know what? I don't really have a whole lot I want to talk about up until like the last seven seconds of the game where there were just, a, 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 it was like a punt fest yeah. all game long. And mm-hmm. then we'll talk about a notable kick return for a touchdown later on in the show. But what a beautiful punt return to basically end the game here for the New England Patriots I felt like this was the way to end, like one of the best endings that I feel like we've had all season long. It was fantastic. It was crazy. On the 17th punt of the game. 17 punts. I think we need to have that number there just so we can contextualize for people who missed the game how many punts there were. Oh my gosh. This, I mean, it was absolutely crazy. So if you had Patriots defense slash special teams, 17 fantasy points, I think that's the second highest or third highest scoring so far of the day. The commander's up there with 21. Cowboys probably up there as well because they dominated the Vikings. But you may have found yourself with some extra fantasy points in your back pocket because Marcus Jones heroics late in the game, a wild, wild, wild. Super fun finish. But just had two yards of offense in the second half. That's crazy. Here's what you need to know. You can watch about 15 seconds of this game and it's like maybe one, like one <laughs> highlight from the first like 49 minutes and then everything else is just like the last end of this game. All right, so I have a, we're gonna come back in a second here, Daniel. Okay. But I'm gonna ask you a very, start thinking about elite quarterbacks in fantasy. The elites. Start thinking about that. All right. Thinking about it right now. Okay. And while you do that, can you do a live read? Can you think and live read at the same time? Oh my gosh. Are you trying to multitask me right here? Well, Geico wants to know, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Love it. Of course you would, bud. And when it, 
comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, which we talked about earlier, your truck, which I talked about earlier, the motorcycle, which I also talked about earlier. Don't have a boat, but the RV, which you uh, told me that you want to be able to get this summer. Even help with your homeowners and renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app available 24-hour roadside assistance and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today, switch today and see all the ways that you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. If you're hiring, you know the struggle. Quickly finding the best candidates for your team can seem like an impossible task. ZipRecruiter makes it easy to find exactly who you're looking for. They're like a talent scout for your team, bringing you the candidates who fit your, who best fit your needs. Whether it's a civil engineer in New York or a pediatric nurse in Nebraska, an attorney in Colorado, or even a mascot in Missouri, with ZipRecruiter, finding the perfect match is simple. ZipRecruiter makes it easy to find the right person for the job. Let ZipRecruiter narrow down your search. Their powerful match technology finds the right candidates for you. Filter, review, and rate candidates all from one easy-to-use dashboard. In fact, Four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. When you're ready to build a winning team, let ZipRecruiter help you build the perfect roster. You can try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash FFF. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash FFF. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. So, Daniel, if I were to ask you right now, yep, you have the option to play a quarterback and you have absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Justin Fields. Okay. Anybody else? Who else? Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yep. It's probably still Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I agree. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yep. Those guys I are definitely that's in the mix, probably, right? Probably it. Like, if okay. you're saying I guaranteed have to play, I mean, like, I want to say Justin Herbert, but I don't know. You, yeah, you'd like to, but like the I evidence this year tells you it's like not like a guarantee, right? right. So you, you missed a name in there, and I, I, I agree with your assessment, by the way. You did not say Lamar Jackson. I did not. Lamar Jackson has not been a top 10 fantasy quarterback since week three of this season. That's a long time ago. That's a really long time, Daniel. And the, the struggles continue for Lamar. And the weird part is, like, I don't exactly know what to pin it on for Lamar right now, right? Because people can say, well, he has no one to throw the ball to. When did Lamar Jackson ever have receivers to throw to? Was Holly, did, like, did we not realize how impactful Hollywood Brown was to this offense? Maybe, maybe. But, like, also at the same time, like... They still have Mark he, Andrews. Like he wasn't newer the player he's been in Arizona, Arizona right? Totally. As far as fantasy is concerned. Totally. So it's not like they haven't had... Like they've had pretty close to what they have this year. It feels like this season is just kind of going like Lamar just feels like he hasn't been as good. He had 31 rushing yards today. He did have a rushing touchdown. That salvaged your day. 209 passing yards. He had an interception. He has six passing touchdowns since week three. Six. Mm. It's week 11 now. So weeks four through 11, Lamar has six passing touchdowns. Crazy. He has only one game with over 20 fantasy points this week three. I'm not trying to dump on Lamar too much because he's still Lamar and I'm still going to start him, right? And in a year in which quarterbacks have been way more disappointing than him, it's not like he is the worst of our quarterback problems. It's kind of surprising. I feel like it's maybe slid under the radar a little bit because of the Brady's and the Wilson's and the Stafford's and the Rodgers of the world. But Lamar has not been peak Lamar, huh? And it, and he started out pretty good to start the season. And so I feel like we sort of got to see the glimpse of the Lamar that we all know. And it's just sort of slipped into this, oh, this offense is just sort of meh, 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 meh. Right? meh. And, and they as struggled part of to that, I mean, they won. And they're, they're so good. They're they're seven and three. Like, but they they're worried about winning football games. They're yeah. not worried about any of the rest yeah. of that. So we're uh, you worried know. about winning fantasy matchups. And right now, Lamar's not really helping us. How about Demarcus Robinson? Nine catches for 128 yards. Let's go back I'll to news or noise. What do you think? I mean, news or noise? Noise. Yeah, noise. Yeah. I mean, what, we've seen this a couple times now with Ravens receivers, right? Yeah. Like Devin Duvernay has a day, and Demarcus Robinson has a day. James Prochet kind of had a day. Like, I like to see it more than like one game before I actually believe. Agreed. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that one. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Rams, Daniel, because oh, the biggest injury. To. Well, the biggest injury in fantasy football this past week, of course, Cooper Cup, who's out for four to six weeks. Here's my guess. He's done for the year. That's my guess. Not because his injury would not would prevent him from coming back, but because we're at the point now where the Rams are three and seven after losing again today. Did you know? that the Lions now own a top five pick via the Rams. That's amazing. And Matthew Stafford left this game today. Yes, he he is a possible head injury. Uh, teams are being very careful about classifying these things as a concussion or not a concussion. But he did not finish the game. But the Rams wide receivers, like someone was supposed to pick up the slack. Not so fast, my friends. I, no, this was a, a, I felt like a really... This was a chance for someone to step up here in yeah. this wide receiving room, yeah. Liz Loza. And I was looking at Ben Skoranek, one, and that was like a dart throw. But my, the DFS guy inside of me just wanted to see Ben Skoranek get involved. Ooh, yeah. Or Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson technically got in the end zone. I mean, but 
If you're yeah. looking at any of these Rams pass catchers, is there one that you like, or are you even considering starting one of them next week, or did you not see enough from them this week? Well, I think you have to consider Tyler Higby, right? Like of these pass catchers, the receivers, no. Robinson has continued to see red zone looks throughout from from week one all the way to finding the end zone this week. So we know what his job primarily is on this offense. But there's nobody to offset him. There's no speed element. Tutu Atwell, maybe that element who scored, but he, uh, what, I think he had two, tar- he's had two catches on the season and this was his second. He had one target that he converted in this game. I think Tyler Higby is going to continue to be the safety valve. Now, Higby only caught five balls and he only managed 45, or he caught four balls, I'm sorry, on four, and managed 45 yards, but he was targeted eight times. The Saints really good against the tight end position. So I think, you know, again, if we're noting, what a wasteland the tight end landscape is. Higby's going to continue to be, I mean, can you put him outside of your top 10, outside of your top eight every week yeah. with that kind of volume? Yeah, I mean, it's he's at least in the starting consideration, but he's one of the only Rams you're even considering in fantasy. Yeah, I think the wide receivers totally. probably are more pertinent to the, to the matter just because like Higby might be started because there are so few, few good tight, tight ends. ends. But for the wide receivers, just like the raw numbers today, Van Jefferson gets you three for 41. Allen Robinson does find the end zone. Five catches, 47, four catches, 47 yards for Allen Robinson. So I think it probably confirmed our belief that Allen Robinson's the likeliest Ram to start with Bryce Hopkins mm-hmm. or John Wolford as the starter. He's probably wide receiver four, maybe a wide receiver five, but it's not like the volume was otherworldly. Five targets. Right. So in this Ram team, who's just a disaster again, a disaster play the Chiefs next week. How does that sound? Not so fun. Doesn't sound good. They're going to have to throw the ball a bunch. But yes, this Rams offense would largely be a stay away for us. Uh, Liz, didn't you have a props that pop column recently? Like you always do? I have one every Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And they always seem to hit really, really well. And sometimes you give us quarterbacks like Dak Prescott. You expected to have a good day. Today, he only had like 23 fantasy points. That seems pretty good to me. But you also have like picks about quarterbacks that you think can play pretty well out of nowhere. And it felt like one of the themes of today, Liz, was streaming quarterbacks making it rain, including Andy Dalton. In a week where you weren't really expecting to have to do that, right? Um, because you have Josh Allen um, not on by and because you don't have Patrick Mahomes on by. Now, obviously, when we're recording this, Patrick Mahomes has yet to play. But uh, yeah, Andy Dalton had himself a day, 260 passing yards and three touchdowns. And a lot of that was due to Chris Olave, who has, as many of us projected, projected over the summer, emerged as this team's alpha receiver. Five catches out of six targets. Not a ton of volume, but he is converting, and he's converting deep, 102 yards and a touchdown. A note about this matchup that I made on FF Now and in my Props That Pop column is that the Rams struggle to limit deep conversions, downfield conversions. They are allowing the third highest uh, deep touchdown rate. So that voted, that worked out well for the Olavi Dalton connection. And obviously Jarvis Landry getting in there. There was some concern after last week, obviously, that Landry's return would continue to negatively affect Olave's volume. Maybe, but the Rams defense was just, the secondary was just bad enough that Olave was able to take advantage and didn't need to be peppered so much in this matchup. I still feel like when I look at this team, I'm, Kind of surprised that Andy Dalton is able to trust them at your own risk. Yeah. Okay. That's a sort of where I was going with this, right? So I feel at least, I mean, one week, good, one week, bad, one week, good, one week, bad. I don't know. Like it's an up and down journey every single week. I don't feel like, you know, yes, Andy Dalton, like this is what he can do. 260 and three touchdowns. He can also throw 403 touchdowns. He can also throw 175 and no touchdowns. Like there's Daniel. What are you going to do? Preach. I don't know. I think you're going to play these guys if you feel like it and you're rolling the dice. Uh, Other than Chris Olave. Juwan Johnson. Yeah, this is kind of a thing a little bit. I mean, sort of. Yeah. So here's the deal. He's got five touchdowns in the last three games. Part of the reason why we didn't feel like we trusted it over the last two is because he had two touchdowns and back-to-back games. And it's like, all right, I mean, that's fluky. But now another touchdown here today, still not a ton of volume, but obviously somebody that is, is being looked at within the end zone. So I think yeah. you got to at least look at him here. Yeah, he's a serviceable streaming tight end. Not even yep. streaming. He's, it depends on what size your league is, right? And again, honestly, with the injuries to Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and just the struggles of the position again, then yeah, maybe this is a player to have on your radar as like a potential top 12 option. The volume's not great. But then again, Daniel, the volume isn't great for many of these tight ends. And that's the thing. He's a good athlete. Yep. Like 
if I'm going to go through the criteria, like I'd rather have a guy who's a former wide receiver turned tight end that I think has the chance for a couple of big plays. That's what Jawan Johnson represents. So he's a use, usable tight end. At this point, I feel like I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been thinking like Hayden Hurst is a guy that I always think of as in that like that streaming radar because he's got Joe Burrow as his quarterback. You never know when he's going to get in the end zone. Yeah. But it seems like more often than not, and Liz, I would love to know your thought on this. More often than not, we're at a spot where I feel like Hayden Hurst is a kind of tight end that unfortunately his fantasy volume gets sacrificed to the people around him. And in the Saints offense, other than Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara, Juwan Johnson could be one of these tight ends that doesn't have to have a ton of volume as long as they utilize him within the right way. Well, you talked about streaming and part of streaming is recognizing the matchup. Right. So that's that's why Andy Dalton, that's why I talked about the Rams and what they're allowing, because it might work out well for the opposing offense. And in that case, an Andy Dalton, it did next week. The Saints have the 49ers. I'm worried about all of these players except Jarvis Landry because the 49ers allow many more points to the slot than they do any other position. So Jarvis Landry is someone that I'm like, oh, now maybe he has a flex option. Everybody else is getting downgraded because of the matchup. But we'll talk more about those, I'm sure, throughout the week. Oh, yes, we definitely will. All right, let's talk about this game here. The New York football giants, like we talked about, got beat by my Detroit Lions here. Daniel Jones, what? however, yep. 341 <laughs> passing yards for a touchdown, plus another 50 rushing yards. And a touchdown for 24.6 fantasy points. Yeah. He was great for you today if you used him. Yep. He's been really good. He has been, been really good. Uh, I would say, hold on, let me reclassify that. He's been solid. He's been. But this is the upside. This is like the best upside you have seen from Daniel Jones, by the way, in a game. And he had two interceptions as well. He had just two interceptions the entire season coming into this game. But 341 passing yards. That's good. Here's the thing, though, that changed. Game script. Yep. And this is what you have to ask yourself. Is the game script going to be like that going forward? I think there's a reason to believe there will be. The Giants get whomped by your Lions today, who, by the way, two things, they own the NFL's, the NFC's longest winning streak. Heck yeah. That's good. Uh, but beyond that, look at the Giants' schedule coming up. Cowboys in and Dallas Thursday. That's Thanksgiving. NFC East. Cowboys, amazing. Now, I would probably be wary there because the Cowboys' defense is so good. Yep. But then home to the Commanders, NFC six and five East. right now. Yep. Home to Philadelphia, nine and one. NFC East. At Washington, four straight division games coming wow. up. And those are all really good teams. We're like... This could be a situation where it's like, yep, there you have it. Like Giants are in dogfights, you know, four straight weeks, right? Yeah. And so the game script, I would like more in like the Washington games than I would the Eagles and and the Cowboys because the Eagles have a great secondary and the Cowboys have a great front seven that can rush the passer. So Daniel Jones has been pretty solid and it came on a day where his running back, Saquon Barkley, came back down to earth a little bit as he was bottled up by your Lions run defense. 15 carries, 22 yards, two catches, 13 yards. No takeaway here. Just, uh, I'm sorry, right? When I, at the beginning of the show, when we were talking about guys who are stars and haven't exactly been stars so far this season, uh, today, this was the example, or one of the examples I was thinking They of. talked about this on the broadcast today where the Detroit Lions literally came into this game saying, we're going to shut down Saquon Barkley, and if you yeah. want to beat us with the wide receivers, then let's see you do it. And they didn't do much to stop Wondell Robinson. Unfortunately, the second-round pick had 100 yards on nine catches, and then he got hurt. And it's not looking good. Jordan Renan already suggesting that this could be a potential serious knee injury for their second round pick out of Kentucky, who did look very, very good. Darius Slayton, yet again, up over 10 fantasy points, fourth straight game for Darius Slayton. So if you're looking for a Giants wide receiver, he has been the most consistent over the past month. Yeah, I think he's the only other Giant that I would really consider. But again, going up against four straight divisional opponents is going to be a tough sled to hear this next little bit for these. It these sure will be. By the way, I have an update. This is an important one. I'm sorry to do this to the, to the, to the Browns. We're talking about them in a second, That's but right. our app is updated. Brett Maher had a, that remember I mentioned that he had the 60 yard field goal. Yep. Then the replay kicked it again. The game score had been updated. It's funky. He now has 23 fantasy points. Ah. So all those nice things I said at the beginning of the show, I still mean them like he still helped a lot, but 29 fantasy points, uh, 23 fantasy points is the updated total for Maher. Still an incredible still fun, week. Huh? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yep. That's all right. Okay. Uh, back to the Browns. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Browns, Jacoby Brissett looked great. Looked fantastic <laughs> this week. Week right? too late, but yeah. I'll tell you what. And this basically was a home game, Liz, for Amari Cooper because those home road splits have been a real thing for him. And he looked fantastic here against Buffalo. Even after everything the Bills went to get to, went through to get to Detroit. I think we all just really expected a dominant performance from Buffalo. And in fact, the Browns were not 
having it, right? 324 passing yards, three touchdowns, plus another 29 rushing yards for Brissett. But Amari Cooper remains the star of the show. Eight catches off of 12 car t targets, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. And Donovan Peoples-Jones was not left out in the cold. He still cleared 60 yards. You'll take that from a flex on a week where, as you mentioned, there was so much elite wide receiver talent absent. I'm glad you mentioned DPJ, by the way, because he's just been awesome, consistent. Five straight games yeah. with at least 11 fantasy points. So good, so consistent. Just a good-looking player. And again, Daniel's mentioned this plenty of times. So Sean Watson now just one more game until his suspension is over. I do want to say on, on I'm sorry, on Jacoby Brissett, it's a week late, right? Because no one was like, yeah, you should be starting him against the Bills, right? Like they're obviously a very talented right. defense. So a week too late, but better late than never, I suppose. And then do we think Marcus Mariota is a streaming option? What is he, Daniel? Uh, I would assume that if you need to stream a quarterback and he's you, there, he's an he's an option for you because he utilizes his legs. But no, I don't really look at him as a streaming option. I do. I do think, unfortunately, because they run the ball so much, yeah. I do like the running backs quite a bit more. And Cordero Patterson, although actually Cordero Patterson didn't even do great. He, 10 rushes for 52 yards, two catches for seven yards. Was really had his day saved by a return touchdown, which made him a return touchdown. The uh, what is it? The most return touched kick return right. touchdowns ever in the NFL. Nine, he has nine kickoff return touchdowns, so he was he is the the king of the kickoff return touchdown uh, metric. Congratulations to him. He was awesome. But I was off the scent here. A lot of us were off the scent here today. You take away that return touchdown, it's a five point nine point effort. The reality is that if you're starting a, Fal a Falcons running back, good luck to you. You need. Uh, a touchdown for this to pay off. Patterson now up to eight catches in seven games. He's a wide receiver, a first-round picket wide receiver, and he has eight catches in seven games. Uh, last thing on this Falcons offense, at least for me, two things is like, first, Drake London, back to Drake London stuff. One catch for two yards. He finds the end zone, though, so at least you got that going for you, which is nice. But the very last thing on this one, Daniel, is that Kyle Pitts got hurt, knee injury, yep. left the game, did not return, Initial reporting suggests that it's not like a torn ligament, but obviously something we'll keep our eyes on. He's been super disappointing, obviously, for fantasy. That being said, there are so few tight ends, so we wish Kyle Pitts a speedy recovery. Hopefully, he can be available next week. That would be amazing. We would love that. All right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is the go-to when betting in the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use code FFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get a free $150 in free bets. If they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code FFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Bonus issued to free bets. One early win token issued to opt-in. Moneyland bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football term. Tis the season to get together with good friends and great drinks. And that means Tis Miller time. Sure, the holidays can be stressful. All the more reason to raise a glass or can to keep things uncomplicated. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks, just great beer. Not only is Miller Lite a great tasting light beer, it's also a great gift for the beer lovers in your life. And for even more gift ideas, perfect for beer lovers, visit the Miller Lite shop at shop.millerlite.com. Their new holiday collection features everything from cozy beer-inspired holiday sweaters to drinkable ornaments for your tree. This holiday, tis Miller time, so enjoy Miller time with friends and family. Miller Lite. Great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com slash FFF to find delivery options near you so you can give the gift of Miller. Of Miller time this holiday season. Excuse me. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Tis Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Can I ask something real quick as we wrap up the show here with a couple of players who did not perform? And I'll, Liz, Daniel, I'll tee you guys up and you kind of give me, this is my thought. Players did not play well today. I'll ask you about the player and the performance, and you tell me whether this is somebody to be concerned about or just, hey, moving on. I'll Let's start with you, Liz. Ladies first, Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 19 yards, three catches for 48 yards, so 9.7 fantasy points. Does it mean anything or just a tough day? 
I think it's a tough day. It's his lowest total yardage of the season so far, but his second game with three catches. So we like to see the usage in the passing game. And obviously when the return, when the quarterback change occurs, we have to imagine the boxes will lighten some and he's still the pure, the best pure rusher in the NFL. I'm not concerned. I feel the same way. Daniel Damian Pierce had 10 carries for eight yards and two catches for nine yards. Any concern here for you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I've watched him. Unfortunately, his fantasy points have gone down each of the last, what is it? Seven games, 25.9, 20.3, 15.7, 14.1, 13.9, They're all going down until we get to this week, 3.7. I realize he's getting utilized within the passing game, but this negative game script, yeah. this, this team is just not good. Yeah. And it feels like he's being game scripted out of it because he can't run the ball as much as we wanted him to. For those that were concerned about Damian Pierce coming into the season, one of the arguments about the upside was like, are they going to score enough? The answer is not really re- recently. Not and recently. again, these these efforts prior to today were largely serviceable, right? Over the past four weeks, 15.7, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. 14.1, 13.9, 12.2, and then 3.7. So a little bit concerning, just that like there was a time, and I, I don't forget it because there is a team I have in which two of my three running backs are Damian Pierce and Josh Jacobs. Oof. They were lighting the world on fire. And you were like, wow, I might have the best team by far like that I've ever drafted. Maybe not that far, but you know, a great team. Damian Pierce, like, it's just tough. And it's hard to imagine that things get a lot better for this offense. They're just really limited. It is a in a league in which it feels like a lot of teams came into the year with expectations to make the playoffs. The Texans were the one team in the AFC that I thought to myself, they, they just have to be realistic. And I think they are. They know this was not going to be their year. They have to accumulate way more talent. And the, yeah, the, I, that's a great point because the Texans just have so few players that it feels like teams are able to be like, all right, well, we got two guys that we got to stop. It's a Damian Pierce and Brandon Cooks if he decides he actually wants to play. Yeah, and he's he's a non-factor right now. Yep. Uh, Liz, Justin Jefferson, three catches for 33 yards. Are the Cowboys Justin Jefferson's kryptonite in three career games? Less than 150 <laughs> receiving yards. Are you concerned? I am not concerned, though they may be Justin Jefferson's red kryptonite. Justin Jefferson has gone over 98 yards in six straight games prior to this one. He's obviously a stud. I mean, he also has three games over 150 yards. You got to take the lumps with the uh, good times, and this was one of those lumps. Yeah, I mean, if we're complaining about Justin Jefferson, like, we don't live in the same universe if you complain about Justin Jefferson. Nope. Right. Like this is like when I watch no, those real- Krypton. Yes. Yeah. I watch a lot of real estate shows like pretty much anyone that's on Netflix. I've, I've watched and it's like people are sitting there complaining about like, I don't love the tile in this $42 million home I'm about to buy. Right. I'm like, well, then spend half a million dollars to replace that tile because you've got 42 for a house. That's your third home. Right. So if you're complaining about Justin Jefferson, go buy a home for 42 million bucks or buy a home for one million bucks and give the rest to us. Field, what kind of tile do you have in your 42 million dollar home? Literally don't even know. Okay. All right. That kind of tile. Yeah. That kind of tile. Yeah. White tile. How about that? Uh, Last one here, Daniel. AJ Brown, five catches, 60 yards. So back to back games under 10 fantasy points. Any concern here? Or uh, A.J. Brown? I don't want to say concern. No, okay. this is just part of the A.J. Brown experience. I feel like when you have Jalen Hurts under center, yep. some days you're going to have big games. Some days you won't. Yep. This was just one of those games. It's a little bit of the ebb and flow of the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, what are you really going to complain here? Like, yeah. hey, same thing. So just don't worry about this one too much. Uh, worth noting that both he and Devontae Smith were busy today. So five, like seven targets for A.J. Brown. Like, I don't know if this is the wrong number to utilize, but I've always felt like for a receiver that I want to have in my my lineup consistently, 10-team league especially, like seven targets on average and above to me is like, generally speaking, unless he plays with like me at quarterback, I feel pretty good about that player. Right. Seven targets for A.J. Brown with Jalen Hurts, more than good enough. No major issue here. Just pointing it out for those of you that needed to know that you're not alone. He's All right, Liz Loza, let's talk Sunday night football where the Chiefs and the Chargers went down to the wire in this one. They made it close again at the end, as it feels like it always is. But Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, came out on top 30 to 27 over the Chargers. I want to start in Kansas City. Okay. We're going to do three quick topics here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Number one. Patrick Mahomes is really freaking good at football still, Liz. I don't really know what else to say about it, but 329, three touchdowns, plus 23 yards on the ground. He's one of, like, the few 
quarterbacks that feels like they just haven't hit many speed bumps so far this year. I agree 100% with that assessment. Obviously, the numbers don't lie. Here's also a stat since you mentioned the game coming down to the wire. The Chiefs have won four straight when trailing entering the fourth quarter. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes' heroics has a lot to do with the winning outcome of those games. Yeah, his clutch rating is 100. I was talking with Thirsty Kyle Sapi about how it is totally quantifiable clutch ratings within a player and he's trying to tell me that it's not but i'm telling you right now patrick mahomes this is a joke patrick mahomes 100 level clutch rating uh dude is just unreal let's talk about isaiah pacheco liz he was awesome tonight 15 carries 107 yards 7.1 yards per carry but for fantasy purposes that equates to 10.7 fantasy points Well, you still, I mean, listen, okay, fine. Sure, the number isn't what fantasy managers would like to see, but the usage is certainly there and attached to this quarterback and this offense. That is also something we like to see. It needs to be noted that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire exited early with an ankle injury, so the backfield was less muddy than we were expecting Pacheco, obviously, to handle the bulk of the rushing work being spelled by Jarek McKinnon. The worry was if this game got out of hand, um, that maybe Pacheco wouldn't see enough totes and the opportunities would lean in McKinnon's favor. But 15 carries for Pacheco, he's so extra when he's running, too. I mean, like, he I really love it. We have, we have matching diamond nose studs. Like, the whole thing, I just vibe with him 107, averaging over seven yards per carry, uh, ripped off that nice, what, 28 yard run. Super extra. Um, and obviously, it's pretty clear now, you know, what the backfield is going to look like. The matchup against the Chargers also very good because they can't really stop the run well. No, they can't. Isaiah Pacheco, I think, is one of the things that Fields mentioned earlier on that I don't want to give him credit for. However, I do think it's true. You know, he's got to get in the end zone. We, we see a ton of usage here. Huge yards per carry. Love 106, 107 yards but without any passing game usage, his ceiling is unlocked by touchdowns because he's just not utilizing the passing game the same way that Jarek McKinnon is. Okay, so that is totally correct. I'm going to ask you a question, though. Okay. If you were told the RB1, the Chiefs RB1, um, was going to be in play and manage, you know, let's say 14 to 17, 14 to 18 touches per game, are you not going to start him inside your top 25, 20? No, that's a great question. And the answer is, yeah, no, you're definitely right. I would, it would at least be a consideration for me because right. of how good that offense is. The idea that if they get down into the red zone or inside the five, there's at least a chance. Maybe they stop scoring long touchdowns for once and you get into the, you know, inside the five situation. So yeah, I, it totally makes sense, and I hear that. I think the, uh, you know, we have to wait and see. Um, maybe we don't have to wait and see with CEH. It really sort of feels like they've moved on, which is tough, understanding he was just a second-round draft pick, um, what, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so crazy. All right, let's talk about these wide receivers and tight ends. Travis Kelsey was just unreal today. Six for 115 <sighs> and three touchdowns. I don't know what else you say about Travis Kelsey, Liz. It's really a conversation for me about everybody else. We came into this game. You knew there was no Juju Smith-Schuster. You knew there was no Miko Hardman. Really hoping. I was really hoping, as I know a lot of people were, that this was going to be a Kadarius-Tony game. And then, unfortunately, Kadarius-Tony gets hurt early on in the first quarter. Yeah. So a bit about all of that. Travis Kelsey had his second career regular season game with a hat trick, three receiving touchdowns. Also, the fact that he did it with Derwin James following him around the field, he deserved extra, deserves extra kudos. Um, and this was an improvement over the last time these two teams met in week two. And in that game, Kelsey converted five of seven for 51, did not find the end zone. So uh, he made up for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> on on Sunday night. You mentioned Kadarius Tony. 
He exited the first half with a hamstring injury. We also have to remember that it was a hamstring injury earlier in the season that was at least the reason the Giants used for not starting him for those five games. He strained his hamstring, and, it, and I believe week two, and then did not play for five subsequent games. So I'm sure Stefania will have much more in this. What a gift is she, by the way? Like, I, I so live good. for her injury analysis. It is so informative. But I'm sure she'll have more on this. I just want to note now that this was not a new injury. This was another soft tissue issue. Let's talk about the Chargers. Uh, as I don't really think there's a whole lot left to talk about. From I guess, is there any of these other pass catchers that you think long-term that you would look at? Or do they just fall, does this fall within that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to use all the weapons that he has? And I mean, I do think it's interesting with Juju Smith-Schuster out um, and Kadarius Tony exiting early that Sky Moore had, who kind of flashed, but largely struggled. You know, he, he wasn't a particularly polished route runner coming into the league, so that's not too much of a surprise um, to make an immediate impact. But he did um, – he was second in team targets just behind Kelsey with six, and he converted five of those for 63. So efficiency, which was a bit of an issue for him, um, not that the data sample was massive, but, you know, if you're going to – if you're going to um, pick nits, I guess is the phrase, um, then that was sort of it for more – it's just interesting. We'll see who's available next week. It's just something to note considering MVS, um, who was the default player after Tony that everybody wanted. Obviously, a lot of people wanted a piece of this matchup because it was anticipated to be high scoring and because of the two offenses attached to it. But MVS, four targets, one catch for 18. So I think we just need to, you know, pin Sky Moore, note that this is something that happened, and then see who's a veil moving forward in terms of the receiving core. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And fingers crossed. I mean, I just want good news on getting both Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster back uh, as quickly as we possibly can. It's just the game is just more fun when you have explosive wide receivers like that, Liz. Hundo. Let's talk about the Chargers. Justin Herbert, 280 passing yards, two touchdowns. Yeah plus an interception. So he finally had his full complimentary of weapons kind of. for like, for like how long, right? Uh, not, didn't take, not even a half. It didn't take long until unfortunately he lost Mike Williams, unfortunately. And at that point, Mike Williams, only one target, one catch for 15 yards and he had to leave. And at that point it became sort of Josh Palmer and, and Keenan Allen were the guys as well. We should note, and I saw that you had this on our note, no Gerald Everett here as well. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, no Gerald Everett. It is worth noting that Josh Palmer scored uh, the first touchdown of this game for Herbert. He was on the receiving end of it. Also, this was Herbert's first game, um, like first really good fantasy game since week seven. He managed 19 fantasy points over a little over that in this game. The last time he had in that neighborhood was week seven of versus Seattle, which was an 18 point effort. So uh, obviously I, I just think it's important to note because coming out of last week, the narrative, the group think narrative on Twitter was like, Oh, it's a shame that Justin Herbert isn't a must start anymore. And that's true, but also he was missing both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Now he's got half of that back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see what the ankle issue with Mike Williams turns out to be. Again, not a new injury, though, right? Because Mike, Mike Williams was out the last two weeks because of the high ankle sprain that he suffered in week seven. And, that, and this seems to be a re-aggravation of that. So, again, hamstring for Tony. And ankle for Williams, those are both pre-existing injuries. Um, so moving forward, we'll have to see who's available. But I think the lesson I am learning, and maybe this is where we come to consensus on, is that if Mike Williams isn't available, if Gerald Everett isn't available, Josh Palmer has to be in your lineup. He, yes. I don't think we can just, I don't think we can play this game of like, well, who's in, who's out? Oh, you know, everybody started Kadarius Tony well ahead of Josh Palmer assuming that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams would be healthy and Palmer scored that first touchdown regardless. Yeah. And I had, you know, I, I'll put my hand up for this one. I had both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen ranked ahead of Josh. Same girl. Same. You know, like it's, it was one of those situations where if they were coming back, I I expected to see more from those guys. And obviously 
can't do much if you're Mike Williams, if you get hurt, right? So there's there's nothing on that. But Josh Palmer looked great, getting in the end zone twice, 10 targets. He obviously is a trusted target. Um, boy, I, I don't know how you don't keep starting him from this from this standpoint. Um, I think given a lot all of the people were let down last week. Like he did manage eight targets against the 49ers last week, but he only came down with three of those. And I think people weren't, again, thinking about the matchup. We talked about San Francisco earlier in the show, really good at perimeter, really good at defending against perimeter receivers, not so much by the slot. That's why Andre Carter had the bigger game. So, you know, uh, and, and so when we look at Josh Palmer, like, oh man, he didn't do really well. Three catches, 44 yards. We didn't see the, I don't think maybe everybody noted the matchup and the eight targets, so it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. And I am telling on myself in this situation as well that he drew 10 targets today. Yeah, and looking through this, I mean, his his fantasy point outings hasn't been super huge. He's had a couple of decent Mm -hmm. games. But eight targets, nine targets, one target, six targets, 12 targets, 10 targets, eight targets. the assumption, though, was all of that would be reduced with both of the starters back in, you know? Yeah. And, and again, that might've been true, except the thing I will not forget is that, is that Josh Palmer scored that first touchdown. Um, and I believe Mike Williams was still on the field at that point. When that happened. I believe so. Yeah. It's going to be tough not to trust Josh Palmer. Keenan Allen in his first game back, seven targets, five for 94 yards. Keenan Allen honestly looked pretty good. And he had a really nice 46-yard uh, reception where he looked fantastic. I think, you know, honestly, Liz, as, as long as he's healthy, as long as Stefania doesn't tell me something that changes the way that I look at this, um, Keenan Allen's going to have to be a, a must-start for me in this Justin Herbert-led offense going forward. If this was his first game back, I'm thinking that there's only going to be positive vibes, hopefully, going forward. I, I agree with you. And also, you know, it's important in the broadcasting crew noted this as well, that Keenan Allen was on a snap count. He wasn't being used, um, you know, on running plays. He was only being used on passing plays largely. So um, if he came out of this unscathed, we imagine there will be more usage and he'll be on the field more moving forward. So, yes, I think he retains his um, his his starting value. Last thing for me is talking about Austin Eckler, who. Here's the thing. Austin Eckler was great from a fantasy perspective, but Mm -hmm. largely inefficient from an NFL perspective. Really tough day for him. Average four and a half yards per carry, which is basically league average. But his longest carry of the day was only nine yards. His longest reception of the day was only 11 yards. In spite of racking up almost 100 total yards on the day, it was a lot of tough sledding for Austin, but found the end zone. And so, you know, you're never not going to start Austin Eckler. Nope. Red zone usage. He manages a ton of it. Also scored that touchdown with like blind, basically with a hand defender's hand draped across his face mask, like pulling it backwards. So um, I I think you're right. Like Austin is going to going to be out there and he remains like an elite player. I mean, when is a week that you're not going to rank him inside your top four? The only week that he's on a bye. That's it. There you go. That's it. Anything else from you on either of these teams? Um, no, I think the matchups next week are going to be interesting. The Chiefs will host the Rams at Arrowhead, and obviously the Rams are a team in tailspin, disarray, um, and the Chargers will head to the desert to take on the Cardinals. So two, um, two interesting Sunday, not Thanksgiving Day matchups to look forward to. You know, Tailspin was definitely one of my favorite cartoons growing up. I don't know <gasps> if I was one of the only ones. Was that the um? Was that the Huey, Dewey, and Louie spinoff? Ducktail, uh, right? It, Wasn't it Tailspin had, the Ducktail? I think no. Ducktails. Tailspin was the name of someone within Ducktails, right? I don't know. Wasn't no, there a Tailspin? I thought Tailspin was Baloo, King Louie, and. Oh boy, I don't remember. Boy, Liz, now now I'm confused. I think there might be two different tailspins. Hmm. We're gonna have to dedicate some time yeah. for this on the next podcast. Let's be real honest about that. We're gonna close it out tonight only because it is eleven forty-five PM where I am at. 
And so, as if you cannot tell, I'm very tired, ready to go to bed. It's been a long day of Sunday football, another Lions W in the books. So, after much celebrating, Liz, thank you for joining me, hanging out and talking about the Sunday night football game. We're going to get our Disney animated classics figured out for next week. Maybe on the uh, Wednesday podcast, we'll make sure to have some things figured out for the people so that we know our, uh, our animated ducks. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Let's do it. All right. For Liz, for Jackson, who is here every single Sunday night whenever we record this, I'm Daniel. As a reminder, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love you guys hanging out and spending time with us every day. It means the world. Please continue to love each other. Be kind to yourself. And we can't wait to see you tomorrow. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Peace. If you need a stick of tide, field is your guide. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay, and you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna hate, cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host, and everybody knows his name. He's Phil.